Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Just one verse, and then I'm going to turn the page to chapter 6. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Then turn over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The words of Jesus again. He says, the eye, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Lord, would you bless the reading of your word this morning and use me to communicate your word and help us, Lord, to have open ears, open hearts, open minds to receive your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to teach you for just a few moments uh, along the lines that we've been doing Jesus said it, looking at the, the, the words of Jesus and looking at the things that Jesus has said. And uh, I, I want to specifically focus on this issue or this topic, intimacy with Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus. I need some water. Do we have any? Would you get me some, please? Thank you. Y'all tell Pastor Katie, thank you. <laughs> intimacy with Jesus. Now, a lot of times um, the word intimacy can get confused or get confusing because we, in our culture, in our language, in the way we speak, we often talk about intimacy to describe a physical or a romantic relationship. Thank you, babe. Appreciate it. We often talk about a, a kind of a romantic or a physical kind of relationship, but intimacy goes beyond just the physical or just the romantic. Intimacy is about true relationship. It's about truly knowing and being known by someone else. So intimacy requires both parties. So it, it's not really an intimate relationship if you only know the other person well. It only becomes intimacy when that person knows you well also, when there's no walls in the relationship, when there's no boundaries or there's no safeguards in the relationship and there's truly trusting between the two parties in the relationship. Intimacy, I like it to say it like this, it means exactly what it sounds like. Into me, you see. Into me, you see. I, there is no secret rooms. There's no walled off areas of my life. You get to see me for who I really am, warts and all, sin and all, difficulty and all, all the problems that you are allowed into all of it and to see all of it. It means there's no boundaries, no walls, but fully allowing someone to really get to know you and fully immersing yourself in getting to know someone else. That's what I want to teach you about this morning. In the context of the scripture that I read you in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6 is that this is Jesus' most famous sermon that he ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It goes from Matthew 5 all the way in to chapter 7, and it occurs very early on in Jesus' ministry. Just before this sermon, Jesus had just been baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin, John the Baptist. And then in chapter 4, Jesus goes into the wilderness and fasts for 40 days where he is tempted by Satan. And in, Jesus, in Matthew 4, 12, Jesus begins his ministry and calls his first disciples, promising to make them 
fishers of men. And so this is very early on. At the end of chapter 4, we learn that Jesus has begun to travel quite extensively after he called his first disciples. And he's preaching in synagogues and in villages. And he's healing diseases. And the lame are coming. And the blind are coming. And the deaf are coming. And they're healed. And he's preaching to them the message that the kingdom of God is near. And then the last verse of chapter 4 says, great crowds began to follow him from every area of Galilee, from from Judea, and even from beyond the Jordan River. He had begun to get a reputation, and people began to travel to hear him, so that by the time he sits down to teach the Sermon on the Mount, there's likely thousands of people that are sitting around him ready to hear, because he's preached that the kingdom of God is near, and now he's going to tell them what the kingdom of God looks like, and he's going to tell them how to live as citizens of this new kingdom. So as Jesus, he's got this large following. He goes to the side of a mountain. And in those days, uh, when a, a rabbi was going to preach or teach, they didn't stand like I'm standing now. They sat, and everyone sat at their feet to listen. Man, that would be a nice break if I could get to sit every week. You know, that would be awesome. But, but that's how they did it in those days. So he sits down higher up on the mountain so that everyone uh, can, can see him. And, and he begins for three chapters to talk about the kingdom and talk about how to be a citizen of the kingdom. And he covers lots of topics. He talks about religious persecution. He talks about marriage. He talks about lust. He talks about relationships. He talks about the golden rule. And he just covers all kinds of territory within these few chapters. And this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, it has become the most famous religious text ever written down. You'll find references to the Sermon on the Mount in politicians' speeches, in sports commentaries, in legal proceedings. Even cookbooks will use illustrations and and verbiage that they get from the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the first major sermon that Jesus preached. If, If Jesus was a politician, this would be his stump speech. This would be the speech he would travel around telling everyone. In fact, he probably did preach it in multiple places. This, if It would be his political platform. This sermon is uh, Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, laying out his worldview, laying out his principles, his beliefs, his instructions to his followers who are going to be citizens of his kingdom. And this is one of the best ways when we read the Sermon on the Mount, for us to understand and know what he is really like. Remember, intimacy is about really knowing someone else, really knowing what makes them tick, really seeing inside who they are. And so if you want to know what Jesus is like, read this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you want to know what's important to Jesus, read this. If Jesus had an Instagram, his bio would contain a few lines from the Sermon on the Mount. If he had a TikTok, all of his videos would be him uh, speaking words from the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to challenge you, go back and read these words. Get to know Jesus today. Get to know who he is and what he's like, because here's what it all boils down to. This is what I'm trying to get at. I want my main point today is developing intimacy with Jesus. If you're wondering this morning why you're not feeling close to Jesus, if you're wondering this morning why you're not feeling closeness in your relationship with God, it may be because 
you've never really, or maybe you've drifted from committing yourself to know him and letting him know you? Have you put up walls? Have you created distance between you and Jesus? Here's what I want to suggest to you. It is possible to be saved enough to go to heaven, but not really know Jesus. Because he's, he's merciful. There is a wideness to God's grace and mercy. I believe if you call on him, the Bible says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that with all of my heart. But I know a lot of Christians who maybe claim that truth for themselves, but never go beyond that to develop a true, intimate, deep relationship with Jesus. And I want to say to you, if that's you this morning, you're missing out. Because there's so much more to serving Jesus and living for Jesus than just hoping maybe by the skin of my teeth one day I'll make it to heaven. I hope you do make it. I want you to. I want to see you there. But listen, you don't have to go through life, this life, just wondering maybe hopefully if he's good enough and if I say the right words and if, if I just kind of skate in at the end on my last breath and say the right things. But there's so much more because it's there's a whole walk in a whole life and a whole family and a whole kingdom that you can be a part of, but it requires you getting to know him. It's possible to be forgiven, but not really know the forgiver. It's possible to go to church, but not really know the God that we worship in church. Many Christians want the benefit of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, of his love, of his grace, but they would rather not be bothered with actually developing a relationship with him. So, so how do I get to this, this place of intimacy with Jesus? I, I want to find out what he's like. I, I want to learn what he likes and what he dislikes. I, I start to learn how he thinks. I, I begin to observe how he responds to certain situations. Intimacy. Into me, you see. Seeing deeper than skin deep. Seeing into the person that you desire. Seeing their heart. Seeing their passions. Seeing their desires. Seeing their emotions. What hurts them. What what things they carry. Uh, intimacy is into me, you see, and it's a two-way thing. It's you seeing him and him seeing you and no boundaries. He, see, he, he has already eliminated every boundary to him. If you want to know what he's like, he's like Jesus hanging on a cross and he, is already, he has already surrendered his entire life and body to you. So he has er eliminated every wall on his side of the relationship. But it's up to us. Have we spread our arms wide? And said, Jesus, you can see me for who I am and everything that I am. Intimacy is all about seeing and being seen. And it's interesting, if, if, if it's all about seeing, that Jesus early on in his ministry would say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. If, if intimacy is all about seeing who he really is, and, and, and I, I want to see Jesus for what he's really like, Jesus tells us the pure-hearted are the ones who really see God. The ones who really see what he's like. What's he saying? He's saying there is a spiritual connection between the condition of your heart 
and what you see with your eyes. There is a connection between your heart and your eyes. He's saying you will find and your eyes will see whatever it is that your heart desires. Whatever your heart wants, that's where your eye is going to drift to. Whatever your heart wants, that's what your eye is going to be attracted to. There is a connection between your heart and your eyes. And there's this theme. If you read the Sermon on the Mount over and over and over again, Jesus is going to talk about sight and seeing and vision through the entirety. For, for example, just a few verses later, Jesus tells us to let our light shine so that others will see our good works so that they might see our Father in heaven. He says elsewhere, he'll tell later in the sermon, he'll say anyone who looks at a woman with a lustful intent has committed adultery where? In their heart, because there is a connection between your eyes and your heart. Later, he says that there are hypocrites who like to stand in public and be seen praying out loud and show off their righteousness and show off their religiosity. But he says, their hearts are corrupt because there's a connection between seeing and the heart. Then he says, if your heart is pure before God, go and pray before him in a closet somewhere. Get somewhere in secret. And the father who is in secret will see you in secret and reward you. So there's a connection between if my heart's pure, I won't need to be seen praying. I can go in a closet and go after the Lord and spend time with him. And my father will see me in the secret place. He says, if you're fasting, do it privately so that others wouldn't see it. But your father would see it and reward you. And he gets to the other verse we read at the, read at the start where he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your heart will be full of darkness. So my first point is simply this. There is a real spiritual connection between your eyes and your heart. What you look for with your eyes will reveal what your heart desires. So let me ask you this. What are you looking at? Are you constantly looking for the next trend to follow? that reveals something about your heart? Are you constantly looking to purchase the most popular clothes brands and something, uh, or, or the most popular logo on your shirt that, that reveals something about your heart and materialism? Are you constantly looking for an excuse or a way out of responsibility and commitment that reveals something about your heart? Just, just ignore that. Don't lose focus. What are you looking for? Are you constantly looking for a way to impress someone else or make yourself look good? Or maybe you're looking for a way to put someone else down that reveals something about your own heart of insecurity and fear? Are you continually looking for a way to make more money even at the expense of the most important relationships in your life, your marriage, your children? Willing to compromise and cheat and lie to get more. That reveals something about a heart of greed. Are you constantly looking for ways to blame others? To point the finger at someone else? Project your own faults and failures on other people? That reveals something about our hearts. 
Are you constantly looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend to validate yourself or that, that or try to make you feel good about yourself? You're constantly looking to someone else, some kind of relationship to fulfill you. That reveals something about your incomplete, maybe even wounded heart that no guy or girl will ever be able to heal. Are you constantly looking for ways to manipulate, to lie, to 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 try to deceive? That reveals something about the condition of your heart. What are you looking for? What are you looking at? Sometimes your eyes lead your heart and other times your heart leads your eyes. And you have to be careful. The question for you this morning is if there is a connection between your eyes and what they behold and what they focus on and what you look for and what you seek and the condition of your heart, I want to ask you, just think back, what have you spent the most time recently looking at? What have you been looking at? Y'all ever pulled up on, you know, phones these days? They tell you what apps you've been spending the most time on. Have y'all seen that? All your, if you have a relatively modern cell phone, you can go up and you can see how much time I spent on the Facebook app, how much time I spent watching Netflix, how much time I spent doing this. And it'll break, give you a breakdown. And I, I think we would all be shocked. I don't want to look at mine. <laughs> but what are we looking at? What has captured our gaze. There's a connection between your eyes and your heart. Second thing is this. Intimacy with Jesus requires aggressive action with no compromise. Intimacy with Jesus requires aggressive action with no compromise. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. These are, Jesus said it, not me. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus said it, not me. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than for you to your whole body to be thrown into hell. We like when Jesus says other things like, you know, forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. But Jesus says here, he'll go on to say, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Because it's better for you to go into heaven with no hand than to be thrown into body into hell with your whole body. And we can come up for all sorts of reasons about why it's okay to compromise and why it's okay and it doesn't matter. And we'll say, well, that's not really sin. That's just my issue. And we'll say, that's not really sin. That's just my, my, my habit. And we can come up with all kinds of reasons why this verse doesn't apply to you and me. I love God. I love Jesus. But sometimes I just have to look at that website. I, I, I love God. I love Jesus. But sometimes when I'm with that girl that I love, my eye just kind of goes in a certain direction. But Jesus said, you have a choice. Listen to me. Don't be distracted. He said, I have a, you have a choice. You can cut your hand off or you can cut her off. That's your choice. 
If you want intimacy with Jesus, if you want to walk and live with him, he says, you have a choice. Don't ever believe the lie, I don't have a choice, I just have to sin. I just have to give in. I have to. No, you don't. You can pluck your eye out. You can cut your hand off. He said, cut it off. There's no excuses. There's no excuses. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. If it caused you to sin, pluck it out. Listen, if this, if this right here keeps me from him, I have a choice. If this right here hinders my relationship with him, if it keeps me looking at this and whatever it might be, because I know, you know, parents, you know, there's like the secret mode and the hidden apps and there's the hidden ways that you can get in, you know, that right, parents? If you don't come talk to me, I'll tell you how to find it on your kid's phone. There's, there's the, the apps that look like calculators, but really it's where you save pictures you don't want everybody else to see. Yeah. There, there's all kind. If this, if looking at this keeps this from happening, if it hinders this, I have a choice. I have a choice. I can either pluck this out so that I'm maintaining intimacy or I can do this. What's more important? I have a choice. If that keeps me from him, if it hinders my life, he says it's better to have a smashed smartphone than to go to hell. It's better to pluck your eye out than to go to hell. It's better that you would have intimacy with me, that you would walk with me, that you would know me, that you would allow me to know you. And so if you have to cut it off, cut it off. If you have to smash it, smash it. If you have to destroy it, destroy it. There is no compromise with Jesus. There is no way that you can say, well, I'll keep my little pornographic app, but I'll keep walking with Jesus. You can't cheat. You have you got to choose. You, it will hinder your relationship. Listen, even over the past several weeks, I have been in contact with multiple, multiple people that that device right there has destroyed their life, has destroyed their relationship, has destroyed their walk with God, has destroyed their marriage, has destroyed their family. And it's all because there was a little secret app somewhere, or there was a little secret text message somewhere, or there was something that we weren't doing, and it destroyed their life. And Jesus is saying, that thing has the power to take you down. And so you have a choice this morning. You can either scratch your eyes out or you can grab a sledgehammer. Intimacy with Jesus requires aggressive action with no compromise. There are hindrances to intimacy with Jesus. I just want to list a few. Sin. I just want to say this one more time. We, sin is, an, is, is the ultimate hindrance to your rock with the Lord. 
Yes, he forgives sin. And yes, he has mercy. And yes, there's a wideness to his grace. But listen, if you want to walk with him and you want to stay with him and you want to make it to heaven, you have to be aggressive against sin. And we live in a culture that doesn't like to call things sin. And we'll call it everything else but sin. We'll call it a habit. We'll call it a relationship. We'll call it an issue. We'll call it a disease, whatever you want to call it. But listen, when it comes down to it, if this book calls it sin, it's sin. And the wages of sin is death. But Jesus has paid the price for it. But he did not pay the price just so you could be forgiven and keep on sinning. He paid the price so that you could be delivered up out of that sin. You could be set free and the chains could be shaken off. Grace is not just forgiveness and grace to keep on sinning. Grace is power to become uh, above and free from sin. So if this book calls it sin, I don't care what CNN calls it. I don't care what Instagram calls it. I don't care what TikTok calls it. I don't care what the LGBTQIA plus whatever community calls it. If this book says it's sin, it is sin and it will send you straight to hell. And so you've got to get your sledgehammer or you've got to get something to pluck eyes out with because it is sin. But listen, there are other things that maybe aren't necessarily sin but can still be hindrances to your walk with the Lord. There are unhealthy affections where you can develop an unhealthy affection or affinity for something that maybe isn't sinful by itself, but it is creating distance between you and your walk with the Lord. It's not a sin to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but if that boyfriend or a girlfriend becomes an idol in your life and they become more important to you, then your walk with the Lord, then it's a problem. It's not a sin to play sports, but if that sport becomes more of a priority to you than you walking with and serving the Lord, then that sport has become a problem. It's not a sin to watch TV. There, people might have preached a little differently a few years ago, but it's not a sin to watch. But if that becomes too much of an unhealthy af- affection or affinity in your life, then it can create hindrance and it can take up your time and it can take up your priority list. And so you have to be careful about those unhealthy affections. And then there are just unnecessary distractions. There are just things that they're not bad. They're not wrong. You're not even really attached to them, but just that life tends to throw distractions your way. You ever tried to set aside half an hour maybe to pray or to read your Bible, and that's when everybody chooses to call you? That's when your phone just keeps going off. That's when the kids need something. That Those aren't, nothing wrong with those things, but you have to fight against those things. And you have to say, those are distractions from my walk with God. Those are distractions from me developing intimacy with Jesus. Those are distractions from him really seeing me and me really seeing him. And so if I want to walk with the Lord in intimacy, if I want to know him and him to know me, if I want to know that my prayers reach heaven, if I want to know that he hears me when I talk to him. If I want to know that I can hear him when he's ready to talk to me, I have to make sure sin has to go. No compromise. Unhealthy affections have to go. No compromise. Unnecessary distractions temporarily, they have to go so that I can still keep maintain my walk with the Lord because he is the most important thing in your life. And it is better to go into heaven with one eye and one hand hobbling your way in than to be thrown into hell with your whole body and you take all your distractions and all your affections with you where you go. So there are hindrances. And I want to just give you some practical things. I'm almost done. How to cut it off or how to pluck it out. Number one, 
If you want to eliminate the hindrances to intimacy with Jesus, number one, you have to have an uncompromising submission to Scripture. We get so confused when we say that other opinions or other other trends or what's popular or what's politically correct, and, and we live by those standards instead of this standard. And so if you, if you want to cut off the distractions, if you want to cut out the sin, if you want to cut out the things that are hindering you in your walk with the Lord, the first step is I'm submitted to whatever this book says. It's what I'm going to do. This isn't, this isn't really related, but I'll just tell you a story. I have a, um, uh, my, some of y'all have met my cousin Renee. Renee is a couple years older than me. She's more like a sister to me than a cousin. We just grew up together, best friends, um, just love her to death. And she's got two kids, her husband and two kids. And a few years ago, they started really um, uh, getting involved in church. And her husband really hadn't come from a, a, a much of a church background. She really hadn't either as well. And um, they had just really kind of poured their life into starting to go to church and serve the Lord and gotten saved and gotten baptized and all that kind of stuff. And every now and then she would call me because, you know, I'm the pastor in the family. So she'd call me with a question that she had. And so she'd call me, what does baptism mean? She'd call me, tell me about communion, tell me about this scripture. What's this book of the Bible about? You know, we talk. And so she had been serving in church for a little while and or been, been in serving the Lord in church for a little while. And she called me one day and she said, what's the deal with this 10% thing? And, and I kind of laughed, and I said, you're talking about tithing and, and giving to the Lord. And she said, yeah. And she said, what's the deal? Is that for real? Is that, are, are they for real about that 10% thing? And I said, yeah, well, it's what the Bible says. And I said, you know, I mean, you, you just, you, you, you can work your way up to it or, or whatever, but it's just, a, it's, it's you giving what belongs to God back to God, and you just, you know, you, you just, God, when you give to God, he releases the curse off of the 90%. He takes care of you. He provides for your needs. And I told her, I said, I promise you, I know it sounds like a gimmick. I know it sounds like some kind of get-rich-quick scheme or something like that, but it's not. It's just Bible, and God honors you when you give to the Lord. And he honors that sacrifice, and he blesses you. And I said, I, we do better with the 90% than we would with the 100% because God blesses us when we give back to him what's his. And I said, but you, you, can, you can work your way up to it. You, you know, like you start at five or whatever because it's, 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 it's hard if you've never done it before to make that commitment. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, well, if the Bible says it, we're doing it. There was this uncompromising submission to if it says it in the book, we're going to do it. And there was just this, uh, if it's hard, it's just hard. If it's a sacrifice, it's just a sacrifice because we're going to obey what this book says. And so that, that's the attitude that we have to have. If we want to develop intimacy with God, he's given us the playbook. He's given us the roadmap. He's told us what it's like to live for him. You just have to do it. You have to submit to it. You have to decide. But if you would go to the Bible every time you go to read it, and you would say, whatever I read today, I'm going to do. Whatever I read today, I'm going to obey. Then if, man, I could fix 90% of the pastoral issues in our church if everybody in the church would just say, you know what, if I read it in the Bible, that's what I'm going to do. We could fix a whole lot of issues in our country and our society if we would just say, this is the final standard. So, Cutting it off first begins with uncompromising submission to Scripture. Number two, being filled and daily walking with the Holy Spirit. If you want to walk with Jesus, you've got to have His Spirit inside you, motivating you and leading you. 
If you want to have that close, intimate relationship, you've got to have his spirit with you. You've got to be walking in his spirit. And if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, according to Acts 2, with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, today is your day. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will be your friend. He will be your comforter. He will be your power. When you are powerless, he will be your strength. When you're weak, you need the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you say, well, I'm saved. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit. But is he overflowing up out of you? Is he moving in your life? Is he leading you and is he guiding you? It's not just, it's one thing to say, you know what, the Holy Spirit came in and saved me. Amen. Praise the Lord. But it's another thing to say, not only did he save me, but he's leading me every day and I'm walking with him every day and I'm talking with him every day and he's helping me overcome my flesh and he's helping me overcome my sin. Number three, remove the source of temptation or distraction. This is the heart. This is where it gets hard. Okay, we can talk about loving Jesus and the Bible all you want to, but where the rubber meets the road is, are you willing to smash the phone? Are you willing to remove that relationship that is distracting you from walking with the Lord? Are you willing to sever ties with that website or delete that app? Are you willing to turn off and never go back to that station? Are you willing to call the cable company and say, don't put that channel on my plan anymore. Take it off. Are you willing to truly say, okay, I've submitted. I know the Holy Spirit is leading me. Now it's time for me to take action and remove the source of the problem. That's where the rubber meets the road. And number four, confession and repentance. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to hear this. You are only as sick as your secrets. There is power in confessing what's going on. There is power in in coming to a trusted believer and saying, and and yes, you can go directly to the Lord and confess. I'm not saying you, you shouldn't do that, but there is power in going to someone that you truly trust, and you know that won't hold you against, hold it against you, won't, uh, Uh, won't lord it over you, won't give you a hard time about it, but will just love you through it. And you just say, you know what? This is an issue in my life. It's a sin issue. This is a distraction issue. This is an unhealthy thing. And I need to confess it to someone that I can trust because the the Bible also says, confess your sins one to another. And so when we do that, it's no longer in the dark and the darkness has no power over it. When it's exposed to the light, When we walk in the light and just say, hey, this is me. This is who I am. I'm being real. This is an issue in my life. This is a problem. This is a sin. This is a distraction. And I'm confessing. I'm getting it out in the light, out of the secret place, and into a place where light can cleanse it, and light can heal it, and light can deal with it. See, as long as you keep that thing in the secret, it will hold power over you. But when you take it out into the light, and you're not afraid of what people might think of you, or, or how they might treat you because when you get it out into the light, it seems to lose its power over you. If you are here this morning and you're saying, you know what, there's this thing that I've been struggling with. There's this, there's this thing that I can't stop. There's this, there's, maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe it's a relate, whatever it is. And if you would just find a pastor or a, a small group leader or a, a trusted brother or sister in the Lord and just say, hey, I have this thing that I need to deal with you would walk out of here feeling so much freer than when you came in because it's no longer a secret you have to work to hide and it's no longer something you have to keep covered up and you can just be honest with someone about it. And there is power in this confession and true repentance before the Lord. You're only as sick as your secrets. And then lastly is accountability. Accountability. 
Accountability is so important. So once you go to that trusted brother and sister or that pastor or that leader and you say, hey, this is an issue, then you have to give them permission to hold you accountable. To say, okay, uh, you deleted that app this week. Did you reinstall it this week? Who have you been talking with this week? And what websites have you been looking at? And, and where did you go this week? And where did you spend your time? And, hey, let's pull up on your phone that time thing. It says what apps you've been spending your time on. Let's talk about it. Let's have a real conversation. Accountability is important. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If we want to be sharp for the battle against the enemy, we've got to sharpen each other. And this is where trust comes in. This is where grace and mercy comes in, that if someone comes and confesses something to you, you don't beat them up. You don't give them a hard time. You tell them, hey, everybody struggles. Everybody has an issue. We're going to pray about it. We're going to deal with it, and we're not going to compromise. We'll smash the phone if we have to. We'll go on. We'll move on. We'll keep talking about it. And even when you fall, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. So it's not a righteous man that never falls. It's a righteous man who falls, but he gets back up. He doesn't stay down. And so we're going to keep getting back up even when we fall. Accountability is so important. Now, here's where I want to, this is where the, I wish the screen was working. I don't know what happened. But in your app, on the home screen, there is a link to something called Accountable to You. And if you, if you go to bfchurch.tv slash A, the number two, Y, A2Y, there is, our church has entered into agreement with this software company called Accountable to You. And what it is, it's not a filter on your phone, but it is an accountability thing for you and your family. And you can join. There is a subscription, but you get it at a discount if you go through the church. It's cheaper. I think $12 for your whole family a month. That's cheaper than Netflix. And what it does is it gives you accountability, especially your, 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 your spouses and your, your, um, younger people in your home that maybe have devices, you can put this on their device and then you can know what you're looking at. And I I don't know if you all know, this is a safety issue for our kids. This is, um, it's a spiritual health issue, but just a a practically a a safety issue. I watched a video recently. I think I've shared this with y'all before. But I watched a video recently where this team, they did an experiment where they created this, uh, this identity online of a, of a like, 12-year-old girl. It wasn't a real girl. They created a fictitious girl with fictitious Instagram accounts and Snapchat and different things. And they wanted to see if we create this girl's uh, identity online, how long will it take before a predator tries to contact her? So they launched her profiles and three minutes later an adult man tried to contact what he thought was a 12 year old girl and get pictures and get her information three minutes is all it took and so this is a safety issue for you and your kids and so it's something I want to provide our church to provide to you there is a subscription if you can't afford it though come talk to me but if you come talk to me I'm going to ask okay are you still paying for Netflix but you can't afford this because this is more important. But if you, and, and I have it, I, we got it this week. It's on my phone. Katie can see everything on my phone at any time. And I do that not because there's necessarily an issue, but because I just recently in the last 10 to 15 days have talked to people that that phone destroyed a marriage, that that phone destroyed a life. And so I don't even want to ever have, have the issue so that Katie, she can know where I am and know what I've looked at at any time of the day. 
and it's on every one of our devices, of my devices. We haven't gotten to hers yet, but it's there. And so this is an opportunity for you. If you say, you know what, I can't afford to smash the phone. (laughs) Some of you need to smash the phone. I'll just be honest with you. You can go get you a 1999 dumb phone at Walmart, and it'll do the all you need it to do to call mama and call whoever and not have that issue. If you can't afford that, I'll, we'll smash your phone today. I'll go buy you the dumb phone if it means I can save your marriage or I can save your kids. The, this is, I'm, I'm very serious. I know that there's some humor. In, I'm very serious about this because this is the most important thing in your life. And so everything else, there has to be no compromise. So make the sacrifice, get that accountable to you software for your devices, for your home, for your phone. But also, y'all, some of you in just a minute, we're going to have an altar call and this sledgehammer's here. And maybe there's a phone that needs to be smashed. Or you know what? There's a, there's a great toilet back there and if there, there, maybe there's a pack of cigarettes out in the truck, we can just flush them right now. There's a great sink for that bottle under the truck seat. We'll just go pour it down the drain right now. This is where rubber meets the road. You have to decide, is this more important than the bottle, than the pill bottle, than the website, than the app, than that immoral relationship? Is this the most important thing? And if it is, everything else has to go. Everything else has to go. If you want him, you got to let go of this. Intimacy with Jesus, it requires aggressive action with no compromise. Satan is playing for keeps. And he will do everything he can to destroy your family and destroy your relationship. If you don't believe me, come talk to me and I'll tell you some stories of what I've been dealing with recently. Talking with people counseling people. I, I'm so mad at the devil right now. I could just, I mean, if, if, if there was something that I thought I could take the sledgehammer to that would really fix it, I would. Because he is playing to, he, he wants to destroy relationships. He wants to bring little girls into captivity to sexual perversion and, 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 and predators and all those kinds of things. He wants to get people confused about gender identity and, and what relationships are the right relationships. And he wants to destroy marriages. And he wants to try to prove to you, oh, you can keep it secret. No one will ever find out. And he wants to tell you, well, that app is okay, but maybe not this one. And so we'll just start with this, and we'll go there, and we'll just be And he says, well, just, you know, hitting that bottle every now and then, not a big deal, whatever. You know, it's fine. Or, you know, cheat on that just a little bit, or, or skim a little to- up off the top there. That's a little bit. Y'all, listen, he, that's how he works. And he wants to get you to compromise, and then he gets you hooked. And I'm telling you, if you want freedom, it takes a sledgehammer. <laughs> It takes no compromise with those hindrances in your relationship. Would you stand with me this morning?